Just now, boys and girls, grown-ups, old people, we're going to think more and more and more about what you've already shown us. We're going to think about this big truth of Christmas, the thing you've already told us about in the story, and the thing the boys have already read to us from John's Gospel, this big idea of God becoming a man. That's what we're going to think about today, the idea that God became a man. This is the big story of Christmas, isn't it? It's there in what you've showed us, in what we've sung, in what we've read. Let me show you how much it's in our songs. I'm going to sing a line and then you sing it back to me, okay? We'll do a practice one with something that's totally irrelevant. So I'm going to sing a bit and then I'll point to you guys and you guys finish the song, okay? So I'll go, jingle bells, jingle bells. Grown-ups, you're not exempt. Come on. Jingle bells, jingle bells. All right, that's got nothing to do with this. But let me show you it with the songs we've been singing. So finish this line for me. He came down to earth from heaven. Oh, come on, come on, come on. It's going to have to get better than that. I'm sorry. But I think you've got more in you than that. Okay, let's try another one. Lo, amid the manger lies. Okay, a little bit pitchy, but still good. You got the idea. What about another one? It's not very Christmassy, but how's about this one? In Christ alone, who took on flesh. Kind of convincing. One more. And this one's for you guys, boys and girls. How's about this one? I'm going to sing the start of the line, and you finish it for me, okay? Fully God and... Absolutely. That is the truth of Christmas that we have to understand. This big idea that the one in the manger is the God of the heavens who made the stars and the skies and everything else. This is the big truth we're thinking about. And it's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? My mind's like, boom, when I think about the idea that in the manger is God of gods, Lord of lords. This is a crazy thing to think about. And it's so big that I just want us to get our heads around one little bit of it. So we're not going to try and understand everything we could try and understand about the Christmas story today. We're going to focus in on just one bit of it, this idea that Jesus was fully man. You with me? So what we're going to do is we're going to think about fully man. We're going to learn some actions, which grown-ups you're involved in too. So you've got to be loud and involved. And we're going to learn a little bit about the amazing truth that Jesus is fully man. If we could go on to the next slide, we're going to look at some Bible verses to help us understand that. Next one again. So here's what the Bible has to say about this baby Jesus. In Hebrews 2, verse 14, it says, Since the children, that's us, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. That's what we've been singing about, right? Jesus became a man, shared in what it was to be human. What about that next verse from verse 17? Why don't you read that box with me, boys and girls, grown-ups? Made like them, fully human in every way. So here's the message about Christmas. That when Jesus was born, he was born to be a human just like us. He was born in every way like us, a real human baby. That means that Jesus is just like us when it comes to elbows and eyebrows and ankles. Jesus could have stood with us and said, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, because he had real head, shoulders, knees, and toes. He is just like us, fully human. And so the first action we're going to learn is this. We're going to go, Jesus is just like us, fully human. Why don't you do that with me? Jesus is just like us, 
fully human, like us in every way. And that means that Jesus didn't just have a human body, but he had a human life experience. He lived in our world, and so he had human experiences. So Jesus got tired. Anyone here ever been tired? Some of you look a little bit tired this morning. It was an early start, wasn't it? Jesus knows exactly what it is to get tired, and so he slept. Anyone here ever been on a really, 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 really long journey, uh, maybe like a big hike up a Monroe with, with maybe your dad, and you were absolutely shattered afterwards? Ever, anyone ever been weary after a long journey? Weary after a long journey, grown-ups? Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. In the Gospels, we read of Jesus going on a long walk, and at the end of it, he was weary. He knew what it was to have tired feet and tired legs and just need to sit down after a long journey. He was fully man, just like us. Let's do our action again. Just like us, fully man. One more time. Just like us, fully man. Who here is taller than they were last year? Anyone here grown between Christmas and Christmas? Yeah, some of you have grown a lot. Maybe done that little line on the edge of a door where you see where you were in 2015 and 2016, and some of you have grown. Jesus knows where it's like to be taller this year than he was last year. He grew. He went from a baby to a man through the normal way. He got taller and taller and taller. In Luke's gospel, we read that he grew and became strong. He knew what it was to grow up. There is nothing fake about the baby Jesus. He is a real man. He is just like us, fully man. Come on, one more time. Just like us, fully man. And as a human, he lived in the real world. Just like that verse we read before. Let's go into the next slide. This is what the boys read for us, and you read it as well in the Nativity. That the word became flesh, he became a man just like us. But where did he live? In Never Neverland? Or in a fairy tale? No. He made his dwelling among us. Jesus lived in the real world. In the real world. The same world we live in. The world of colds at Christmas time and the world of cows in mangers and the world of complications in life. Take a deep breath with me. Jesus breathed the same air as us. He lived in this world. Stomp your feet. Jesus walked on this very planet. You can visit places where Jesus went. He lived in the real world, in the real broken world. That means he met with really broken people. Jesus didn't walk around with just a group of friends that were really nice all of the time. No, he met with really broken people. People who were mean, people who were sad, people who were sick, people who were smelly. He met with all kinds of people. He lived in the real world because he was just like us, fully man. This is woeful. Come on, just like us, fully man. Brilliant. So that means that in the real world, he was really affected by stuff. So Jesus met with sad people and sick people, and he looked at them, not from a kind of bird's eye view. He didn't look at the world through a Google image kind of look from the sky, Google Earth. No, Jesus came and lived right amongst us, got in with humanity at eye level. He looked at the pain of the world right there, and he heard the cries of the world in real human eardrums. Jesus got right in with our world. And as a real guy in the real world, Jesus faced real temptations. One time when he was hungry and tired and alone, the devil himself came to him and tempted Jesus. Jesus knows what it's like to be a human and to be tempted. 
Boys and girls, he was no tourist when he came to the world. This isn't just Jesus on holiday, just coming to see what the world's like for a week. No, he lived here for a whole lifetime. He knows all about life on earth. And the truth about Christmas is one that is a really big deal. And here's why. Let's go on to the next verse. This is what it means that Jesus was made just like us. Let's read. For we do not have a high priest, that's somebody who stands before God on our behalf, who is unable to feel sympathy for our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Jesus experienced real temptations in the real world. He's had an experience of life like ours. Now what does it mean, this word sympathy? Let's go on to the next slide. Because Jesus was fully man, just like us, he's able to sympathize according to that verse. Does anyone here know what the word sympathy means? It's kind of a big word, right? Sympathy. Has your mom and dad ever told you to, to walk a mile in another person's shoes? They ever said, oh, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You ever heard someone say that? And thought, why? I've got my own shoes. Why should I wear his shoes? Well, what mum and dad are saying in that situation is this, that we should try and imagine what it's like to be somebody else so we might understand things from their point of view and maybe start to understand how they feel. This whole idea of sympathy is that somebody gets what we're going through and feels for us with it. And according to this verse, Jesus is able to sympathize, feel for us, and understand us in our weaknesses as real people. Because the thing is, boys and girls, Jesus didn't just walk a mile in our shoes. He walked a lifetime in our very flesh. He lived among us in the real world. And right now, what that means is that Jesus, who's in heaven, is able to understand even what we're going through. As somebody who's been there and done that, he understands what we're going through as we're here and we do it. He's able to sympathize because he was fully man. He gets what we're going through. So whether you're 10 years old and your little brother or sister is driving you crazy, anybody ever been driven crazy by a little brother or sister? A person who's a little bit difficult? Well, Jesus knows what it's like to live with difficult people. He had a friend called Simon Peter who was really annoying at times. Jesus knows what it's like to live among difficult people. He gets it. So when we go to him in tears and trials and temptations and joys, he gets it because he's lived here with tears and trials and temptations and joys. He was just like us, fully man. And this is an amazing thing, isn't it? Jesus has known real life. Maybe the reality for you is Christmas is not a fun time of year, but a hard time of year. Maybe actually you kind of dread it, coming up to it. You don't like it when you hear that first Christmas carol being sung because you know this is a really hard time of year. Despite what the adverts say, actually, statistically, Christmas is a time when people feel really lonely. And the amazing thing that we've learned about the boy in the manger is because he came and lived among us, when we get lonely, he's able to say, I get it. I've been there. In fact, at one point in his life, Jesus was the loneliest man who ever lived. So if you're feeling lonely this Christmas time, in Jesus, one who is just like us, fully man, you have one who's able to sympathize with you. Maybe Christmas is a time when the money's tight, the pennies get pinched. Where was Jesus born? In a stable, in a barn. Not to a rich family or a special family or anything impressive. Jesus knows what it's like to not have much, to live a simple life. Maybe Christmas is a time, because you're around your family, where you get a little bit annoyed, where there's a temptation to sin. Well, we've just read Jesus was tempted. 
He knows what it's like to be tempted by other people sinning against him. He gets it. Maybe this is a time of year for you which is really, really hard because it's a time of year where you end up at a graveside of a loved one or a friend crying at the graveside. The amazing truth about the boy in the manger is he's been there. Jesus knew what it was like to stand there at the grave of a friend and have human tears roll down his human cheeks as he wept with his friends for a loved one who had died. Jesus has been there. He's able to sympathize with us. Jesus is just like us, fully man, and so he's able to sympathize. But here's the big deal, boys and girls, grown-ups. The good news of Christmas is way better than just Jesus is able to sympathize. If that's all he's able to do, then Christmas is okay news, but it's not the best news ever. It's not worth singing about or getting together or buying tinsel if all Jesus is able to do is sympathize with us. It is not enough to just have somebody who can sympathize. It's not enough because our biggest need as people isn't sympathy. It's not enough because as people, me and you, boys and girls, grown-ups, we have a bigger problem than just needing someone to sympathize. Our biggest problem is that we're sinners. Our biggest problem is that we're separated from God because of our sins. And that's why it's so good and so important that our next action, having said, just like us, fully man, is that we say, yet. Everybody say, yet, with me. With one hand like this, yet. So let's go from the top. He is just like us, fully man, yet. There is a way in which Jesus is not at all like us. I said before that we were sinners, and that's a Bible word for the fact that all of us, boys and girls, grown-ups, have done stuff that was wrong against God's law. We've done things that were not right with the way he says we should live. Everybody knows this, don't they, in themselves. We've all done stuff that we know was wrong. And actually, the Bible says that the wrong stuff we do isn't just against other people, but it's against the God who made us. God made us as people to know him and live for him and obey him. And in a million ways, in things we do and in things we don't do, we fail to live the way God says we should. As a, as a species, as people, we have a problem. We're sinners. And the Bible says that that has a consequence, that because of our sin, we're separated from God. We can't enjoy relationship with him like we were made for because of our sin. And that the consequence of that is that all people die. Every one of us dies. And so that means as people, humans, just like us, we share in the same problem. We're kind of like, as a people, humans are kind of like a fleet of ships that are all sinking in our sin into death. And so it is not good news to find out that there's another ship coming along who's just like us, also sinking and also dying. That is not good news when you're a sinking ship. The good news is, in one major way, yet... Jesus was not like us at all, which means he's able to do way more than sympathize. He's able to help us. He was just like us, fully man, yet, let's look at the next verse. He was not like us in an amazing way. So this is the same verse we read before. We do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, what's those words? Yet, without sin. So let's go on to the next one and get these actions in our minds. So we're going to say Jesus is just like us, fully man, yet, and here's the new one, without sin. 
without sin. So let's go from the top. Jesus says, just like us, fully man, yet not like us, without sin. This is the amazing thing, that even though Jesus lived in the real world with real temptations and with real sin, he never did anything wrong. He never sinned once. There wasn't even any sin in his heart. He never failed to live the perfect way God says. In fact, he loved God with all of his heart and all of his mind and all of his life. And as a real human in the real world, you know what, boys and girls, Jesus never told a single fib. He never lied. He never got jealous. He never said any bad words. He never even thought any bad thoughts or felt any wrong things. He had emotions like us, but in all of his emotions, he never did anything wrong. He never sinned. In all of his encounters with people who were very difficult and encounters where he was even tempted, he never did what was wrong. He lived a perfect life in the real world without sin. And that means when it comes to sinning and sinking and dying, Jesus does not sympathize. Jesus doesn't know what it's like to sin. And that means he's able to do something way better than sympathize. It means he is able to save us. As a perfect man without sin, he is able to save on the next slide. As someone who lived perfectly, even though tempted, who obeyed God, he didn't deserve to die. He had never done anything wrong, so he had a perfect relationship with God. He called God his father. That's the relationship they were in his whole life. No sin, no death for Jesus. He was the perfect man, and he came to live the perfect life for a reason. Christmas wasn't an accident. Christmas had a purpose, that Jesus might live a perfect life so that he might die a perfect death in our place. This is the message of Christmas, isn't it? That Jesus came, and because he lived a perfect life, he is able to save us because he lived without sin. Jesus lived a life that was not like us. Here's the thing, boys and girls. If me and you, grown-ups, we want a relationship with God again, we need two things. We need our sins to be paid for. God is just, and he will not leave sin unpunished. So we need someone like us to represent us and die. And we need something else, too. The second thing we need is a perfect life, that we might be able to enjoy a perfect relationship with God. And we have neither of those things, right? None of us is like that. But Jesus was not like us. And so Jesus, as one who was without sin, was able to save us. And here's how. Have you guys ever done a swapsie? Anyone ever do swapsies at school? You can nod, that's okay. People don't do swapsies anymore? Swapsies was like the fundamental currency of my school. How do you not have swapsies? Here's what happens in a swapsie. One, th- one person exchanges something with another person's something. You swap places. You swap things. One card for another card, or one toy for another toy. You do a swapsie. And this is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus makes the greatest swapsie there ever was with us. Jesus, although he never sinned and never did what was wrong, took our place. We deserve to die because of our sin, but Jesus didn't. But he chose to swap places with us and take our sin. The Bible says that God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. If we look at the next verse, this is what it says about it. It says, but you know that he appeared. Why did he come into the world? So that he might take away our sins. And in him there is no sins. Jesus came and on the cross as the perfect one, he died in the place of people like us to pay for our sin. But that's not the end of a swap, is it? That's just him taking our place. 
What's the other part of the swapsy? Jesus gives us his place. He'd lived a life of perfect, sinless perfection. And actually, he gives us that perfect, sinless perfection that we might have a relationship with God forever. Let me tell you the Swapsy Gospel in a single verse. 1 Peter 3.18 says this. Listen, boys and girls, that Christ died once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. This is the good news of Christmas, that Jesus came into the world, that as a man he might die in the place of men, that he might save us from our sins, and that he might give us his perfect life, that as people we might have relationship with God forever. And because he paid for all of the sins and there was nothing left to pay, what happened three days after Jesus had died? Anybody know? Go for it. After Jesus had died, three days later he rose again. There was nothing left to pay. And so Jesus rose again into new human life without sin and without death forever. And so he offers to each one of us that he might take away our sin, give us his perfect life, and give us new life that we might be like him forever in relationship with God. It's just like you sang to us, right? Do you remember that verse in Fully God and Fully Man that said this, Jesus is the friend of sinners who did not sin. God inside our human skin, but he died for us and he rose again. So trust in him and you'll be saved. This is the message of Christmas. This is why it's so exciting and so worth thinking about the fact that Jesus was just like us, fully man. Let's do our actions again. Just like us, fully man, yet not like us without sin. So that means for all of us, boys and girls, mums and dads, grown-ups, that we can come to Jesus this Christmas time and come to one who's able to sympathize with us, but one who's able to save us. So whatever situation you're in this Christmas time, whether it's happy or sad, whether you've already come to Jesus with your sin or you haven't, the message of Christmas is, come to Jesus. That's why the passage we've been looking at finishes with these words. We've just read that Jesus was like us in every way, yet without sin, And here's what the writer of Hebrews says next. This is what we should do because of this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Maybe you really know this Christmas that you need sympathy. You feel alone. Jesus is there, draw near to the throne of grace and find help in your time of need. But for all of us, as we've thought about, we all have the same problem of being sinners. And so each of us needs to draw near to the throne of grace and through what Jesus has done, find the help we need to be forgiven of our sin and given new life forever. Boys and girls, you've been so good at listening. Let's do our actions one more time just so we definitely remember it. Jesus is just like us, fully man, yet not like us without sin. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent Jesus to become a baby, just like us in every way, that he knows exactly what it's like to live in our world and to know what it is like to grow up and to have friends and to have disappointments and for people to let him down. He understands exactly what we go through. Thank you that we can come to him and find one who is able to sympathize. But we thank you even more, Lord Jesus, that you are one who lived perfectly 
that we might have new life, that you died in our place and you've given us your perfection, that we might know God forever. We thank you so much for Christmas and for the way it leads us to think about Easter. And we praise you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.